If you're going to start a business for yourself, a side hustle or an actual all-out business, it's important that you set yourself up the correct way for tax purposes. Incorporate.com, great service. I used it myself to start my business many years ago. It will allow you to set up a C-Corp, an S-Corp, an LLC, or a nonprofit all through the web. They'll answer questions for you. They're not you know, legal experts. You should have one of your own. But they make the process of setting up a business very easy. So use the link in the show notes to go to incorporate.com. It will help you a lot. And we'll be back in just one moment. Thousand one hundred and six of the number one podcast and Apple Podcast for job search. You're listening to No BS Job Search Advice Radio. I'm Jeff Alpin, the Big Game Hunter, and welcome. I used to be called the Big Game Hunter. I started to be called the Big Game Hunter. I should say when I did search, I used to hunt down leaders and staff organizations, and did it for a heck of a long time. And now I coach people. As a, a headhunter, I was looking for a way to separate myself from all the other people who call themselves headhunters, executive recruiters, and I came up with the idea of the big game hunter, which people were able to quickly associate with the work I was doing. Now as a coach, I want to help you play big in the world, big in your search, big in your career. And I've continued on using that label of the big game hunter. I trademarked it more than 10 years ago for job search related stuff and uh, I'm here to serve you. Today's show is one where I interview Craig DeVizio of the the author of the book I Got the Job. And we talk about job search, interviewing a whole range of things in this 30-minute interview that I do hope you enjoy. And uh, I'll also say if you enjoy the work that I do with No BS Job Search Advice Radio, there are firms that are supporting the show, and they're doing it by supporting it. Make purchases through them uh, and use the link in the show notes if it's an appropriate product for you, and uh, it will support us. Now, with that, we'll be back in just one moment. Top Resume is a solid service to get you a better resume reasonably priced. It's not a premium service. It's for people like you and I who can afford a certain amount of money and also need a great result. And even better, they have a plan through a firm that allows you to stretch your payments for service over the course of the year to something like 20 some odd dollars or 30 some odd dollars per month so that you don't have to write a large check, which right now, if you're not working, is really important to you. So use the link in the show notes. It will help you get a resume and if you want a LinkedIn profile done for you very inexpensively. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So my guest today is Craig DeVizio. 
He's the president of Divisio International with offices in Atlanta and Birmingham. He's the author of a recently released book, I Got the Job! It's also the title of an, uh, an online course that he has on interviewing by the same name. Craig, thanks for making time today. Welcome. Jeff, thank you very much for uh, being on your show. It's a pleasure. It's an honor. Thank you. And, you know, when I listen or I read your background and we first had the conversation uh, before the show, the question became, how did you get into this? Like, how did you become interested in, in, in interviewing people and how to do it well? I, once I finished my bachelor's in psychology and my master's in counseling, my first job, Jeff, was to run a career center at a college. So I was starting with students uh, doing assessments on them to make sure that they were moving in the right direction, also teaching them how to interview, how to write a resume, and how to network to get their first job once they got out of school. From that, when I quit the college, I started working for one of the three largest career consulting companies in the world and I'm out of the Atlanta office, and they sent me all over the nation teaching people how to interview, did that for six years. Some of the companies they sent me into uh, said, Craig, we love your teaching style. Have you ever thought about teaching your own material? And so that kind of got me th thinking, Jeff, should I start my own business? And eventually I made that shift, have been in business now for 32 years, and interviewing has been my most popular course during that time. It's interesting. You went into companies to teach them interviewing. So what kind of companies were they? Were you teaching them how to evaluate people to hire? Or was it they happened to have, were they outsourcing firms or outplacement firms? It, it was an outplacement firm. And uh, so for six years, everybody that I had in one of my classes had just been downsized, right-sized, re-engineered, reorganized, whatever you call it, through no fault of their own, they had lost the job. Very similar to the millions of people that we have out there today who through no fault of their own because of the pandemic are looking for other work. And so uh, I did it that way with the outplacement firm. And when I started my own company, it was a matter of the companies I was working in investing in the people that they wanted to move up in the company. Because a lot of those people, prospective managers, maybe didn't interview well. Well, we really want you in leadership. So let Craig teach you how to interview so that then you'll be successful and we'll get you into those leadership roles. So it wasn't a matter of teaching them to go outside of the company, but to move up promotion-wise inside the company. And thus, the kind of people you've worked with over the years, like where do they fit organizationally? Like how junior, how senior are they? Yeah, the, uh, you know, number one, corporate people, skilled laborers, I've covered the base on all of those, starting out with the teenager, uh, the, in terms of uh, the book and the online course, who's it appropriate for a teenager preparing for their first interview uh, to get their first job, all the way up to if we go into a corporation, the vice presidential level down and inclusive there not higher than that because once you get into the c-suites you know this jeff interviewing changes dramatically big time big time changes yeah. so you know one of the things i tend to focus in on is the importance of connecting with interviewers that 
it's one of those things that job hunters forget to do. They, they kind of go into this thing and they've got their mental script of things they're going to cover. And they know the answer to these basic questions, but they forget the human side of that. Is that what you see as well? Uh, to me, that is one of the um, differences in my material from a lot of material that I see out there. I see a lot of people teaching how to answer the questions. And I agree with you. To me, interviewing is much more about making a personal connection with the interviewer than it is just about answering the questions in the correct way. You can have the perfect answer and still not get hired in an interview. What are all the nuances about making that connection to be seen as honest, genuine, sincere? Do they like you? Do they feel you're gonna be good to work with? All of those things, I believe, has as big an impact and probably even more impact than just having great answers. Of course, great answers are important too, but it's the combination of those, I think that's the key. One of the things I tell people is competence is only one variable that firms look for. And folks, you got to believe there are a lot of competent people who can do this job just like you. So yeah. how do they choose you? And part of that is ultimately you get to the point where they trust you. And part of the reason they trust you is they connect with you. Right. Right. So how do we help them get connected? Well, you know, I, I talk a little bit about, let's say, in about everybody's material, you will hear them say, do your research on who is gonna be your interviewer or on your panel. And then they kind of leave it to you to go, well, what do I do with this information? I say, as you do your research, not only find it, but then look for commonalities that you have with the interviewer. And then I want you to share in the interview that you have that commonality. Now, why is that the case? So here goes back to my psychology counseling background. We're pulling on human nature. We tend to like people more who we have things in common with. But I can't just say, Jeff, hey, like me more because you live in the Appalachian Mountains and I did that for 10 years also, because that doesn't have anything to do with the job. So we've got to find out what we have in common with the interviewers. Then we've got to communicate that in the interview, but we've got to make it relevant to how we're going to be a better employee. So I could go on and say, well, being in the mountains, when you run your own business, there's a lot of stress. And boy, there's no better place than taking a walk in the mountains and everything. So the fact that, that I live in the mountains and I walk in the mountains makes me better because I can relax when I need to so I can come back to work and put in the energy. And what I've actually done is connected with you and that you go, boy, I like that guy because we've got something in common. And he also shared a point that was valuable in terms of my hiring him. And folks, in case you don't know it, I live in Western North Carolina. I'm in the town of Asheville. And uh, he described my background or my location very well. And when I get stressed, well, during COVID times, I didn't take a walk in the mountains. I would get on the elliptical. But before then, I would do that. <laughs> so the idea is, number one, to find something in common and kind of incorporate it into an answer. Is it, did I interpret that correctly? Yeah, I want to, you know, if you, I tell people in class, if you work hard enough, you can make almost any commonality something that you can then apply to the job. 
And so I want to, so one that I use from time to time, if I'm interviewing and I know that somebody rides motorcycles, I will simply say, well, Jeff, I know that you'll understand this because you ride motorcycles. And so now I've got them, they're with me in the answer. They're processing the answer with me as opposed to just listening as a, as a stranger or somebody who's not in tune with what I'm saying. And then I talk about how riding a motorcycle is one place where I can distance myself from my business to relax so when I come in. So yes, find the commonality, share it. You don't tell them, although the, the, the behind the scenes is, I'm sharing this with you because I wanna capitalize on the human nature part that you will like me more because we have this in common, but then you make it relevant. And if I were to flip this ever so slightly, might you say something along the lines of, hey, you know, I don't know if this is true for you, but when I ride my bike, uh, I'm uh, I'm looking to get relaxed and focused on what my next problem is. And thus, you know, at times, you know, when I ride, it's a great place to clear my head so I can go in with intensity next. Absolutely. Whatever you can do to, to connect with the interviewer while you're delivering the answer so that they are following along with you and maybe even thinking as you're saying the words, yeah, that's the same way it works for me. Now they're with you in the answer as opposed to just a bystander to it. So, Yeah, it's a real subtle little thing. You know, yes. Because when people get hooked... And part of it is like using the phrase I did. I don't know how it is for you, but when you when I ride my bike, the next thing they're going to want to do is, since they do it, they're going to follow and track the next statement. So yes. that, that next part of the statement becomes really important. So you connect the dots for them in some human way. And, and they're personalizing it. They're personalized, as opposed to seeing it as something you're doing. Now the two of you collectively are kind of going through it together. Yes. Bingo. I like that one. Yeah. It's a sweet one. What else can people do to kind of connect with the interviewer? You know, I, I talk a lot about understanding why to do things. And when you understand why you're doing something, then, then everything that you're doing takes on a different level of significance for you. For instance, people will say, make a good first impression. Okay, and they'll say, uh, and, and I don't know why I'm supposed to necessarily, but I know they told me to do it, is what a lot of people, and they'll say, well, do a firm handshake and make eye contact and call people's names. All these things, although they're like line, little line items, they are extremely important. Everybody likes hearing their name. Everybody likes when you're shaking their hand, not to be in such a hurry to get to the next interviewer that you're talking to them and you're already moving over here, but that you maintain eye contact with them. And so when I explain what's the why of this, why is this so darn important? When you create a great first impression at the beginning of an interview, the, we like to trust our impressions. If you meet somebody and you like them and you don't know why, but you like them, and then later on you find out some disturbing news about them, you don't want to believe it. There's a resistance there. So if you make a good first impression on an interviewer, they will want to be right. 
they will want their final impression to match their first impression. At the end of the interview, they're going to want to say, see, I knew it. I knew they were good. Well, how that happens is they will start looking for things during your interview to say, there's another positive, there's another positive, and those will be magnified while the mistakes that you make will be diminished. So it's a matter of understanding all of these small little things that you do, why you're doing it and the effect that creates with the person. And if you didn't know that calling somebody's name will wake them up. I even tell people if somebody's not paying attention to you, you know, they're writing notes and everything and you want to make some eye contact, just call their name and don't pop their head up immediately. Some of these really small things a lot of people hear them, Jeff, I believe it goes out the other ear. They don't prepare enough so that they know their answers in and out, and now they can focus on this connection stuff. Under preparation is one of the big mistakes. Now, you've been talking about in-person interviews. I remember what those were like, and hopefully we'll, <laughs> hopefully we'll have them again soon. So yeah. the idea of you know, when you're meeting someone, you got the firm handshake, you're making the eye contact, you're not rushing off to the next person while you're doing the handshake and the eye contact. You're, you're holding it for a beat before you're switching off to the next person. But now we're in the days of video. And I get the idea that with video on a one-on-one, -on -one, like on Zoom, you've got speaker view. And you're always making sure you're on speaker view because with gallery view, you're always looking to a side to the other person and not making eye contact. In speaker view, you're actually looking at the person. We're recording this over Zoom and I know I've got them on speaker view, so we're making eye contact. Right. I'm curious about panel interviews, whether you have an opinion about how to do that with a I talk, I talk, yeah, I appreciate the question, Jeff, because I talk a lot about panel interviews. People are intimidated. The first thing I would say, just as an aside, is you've got to know what's going to happen the day of your interview. You've got to know how many people are there. To expect one interviewer and walk into a panel of 10 people can throw you and you may not even recover before the interview is over. But the, the same thing exists uh, with one-on-one -on -one in a panel interview, uh, you the proper way to answer a question is, of course, you are looking at the person who asked you the question. You have their name at the tip of your tongue, so that as soon as the question is over, you say, well, Jeff, thank you for that, and then you answer the question, and as you're answering a question, now you are not going from person number one to person number two to person number three to person number four, but you're moving around from maybe one to three to two to four. You're shifting your eye contact. Your, your eye contact should be three to four seconds per person, because if I'm just bouncing around, now it's looking like I'm a, you know, I got all kinds of issues, anxiety issues or whatever, and you don't want to stare too long at somebody. And then you want to finish your eye contact back on the person who asked you the question and clearly indicate that you are finished with your answer by nodding your head and saying thank you. And then they know to move on. So, so this is really easily structured but people just haven't gotten into it enough. And so the, the biggest, if I can go on just one more second, the biggest mistake that I see people making, Jeff, in a panel interview, and pretty much because they don't really know any different, 
is they give all of their eye contact to the person who asked the question and they're ignoring everyone else. That is a, a good reason for these people to tune out and not even like you. You've got to be making eye contact with them. And even as I'm going through the thing, Bob, you know, this is something, and I'm going further in the answer and Jill, you know, this, and I may use three or four names in one answer making eye contact with them, connecting with their name. That type of stuff is so valuable. People want to feel, the interviewers want to feel, there was a point in time, Jeff, where you were talking to me, not to the whole panel. You were talking directly to me. And that's the way you do it. It's very simple, but you got to build it in into your preparation and practice it. Folks, if you've ever watched a TV news show with a panel, uh, or one of those panel shows where they ask one person a question and it's done live with someone in, in the studio. What you'll see is the person talks to each individual in, uh, person there. You might also see it on the late night shows where the guest finally makes it over to the couch and is talking to the other guests and they're moving from person to person. They'll eventually zero back in on the host, but you know, they'll look at the person to their right on the couch and they'll eventually connect with the audience who's there, who they're going to get the laugh lines from. Uh, so it's that same idea of moving from place to place, except in their cases without the names being mentioned. Right, right. Yeah, I think going back to our original point, this connecting with the interviewer and how, if we, if we had a percentage, how big of a percentage that is in the final hiring decision, I really believe most people believe that it is less. And I really believe that it's a pretty big deal. I do as well, because the mechanics are easy. You can learn the answers to questions, even those about your field of, of expertise. A couple of interviews, you notice everyone's asking you pretty predictable questions and you can rehearse your answers. But the behavior that creates the connection that allows them to trust you and dare I say even like you versus right. all the people who arrive in and keep their armor up and are rigid and stiff and act like little interview robots. You know, it's unusual. So by all means, this is how you stand out from the others is your connection with the interviewers. Yeah. And, and I believe that one of the reasons people even if they know to do it, don't do it as well as they would like, Jeff, is because it's hard to do all of that if you're trying to remember your answer. So this all goes back to the fact you were not well enough prepared with your answers so that you didn't really focus. They were kind of just coming out. I was doing and attending to all these other things and the answer was just coming out because I knew it so well. Now, what level of preparation does it take to get there? That's where most people, unfortunately, haven't gotten yet. And hopefully with more shows like this, people will get the point and they'll start preparing more. And you, folks, you got to prepare. Because when you think about it, every great athlete in the, in the world practices, right? And every great entertainer in the world rehearses. And job hunters go out on interviews. And the first time the words ever come out of their mouth with the interview, and they wonder why they flub the answers or they walk out and go, dang, I wish I'd said this. Um, and, you know, yes, you know, this is because you just, you know, you weren't prepared. 
you don't get a second chance. This is a one shot deal. I tell people all the time, your objective is to walk out of that interview having delivered everything that you want that interviewer to hear. That is your job. Interviews to me are much more about what the interviewee wants to tell the interviewer than it ever is what the interviewee, interviewer wants to know. You've got to find a way to use their questions to deliver the answers you want them to know in the first place. So, so true. What else can people do to connect with interview? By the way, let me back up for a second. Panel interviews over video. Now, let's say there are three people on the screen, and um, do you do speaker view? Do you do a gallery view? Even though you may wind up talking to this person, how do you how do you do that on video? Do you have an opinion? I I have not. I have not gotten into that yet, to be honest with you. That's not something this is uh, in the book. I talk a lot about all of the virtual interviews and that, that people have now, but I have not gotten into all of the different uh, um, screen arrangements, so to speak, in terms of what the best way is. So that would not be something that uh, I can help you with on. Uh, though I would, ex I would expect uh, that without, without having tested all of them, that the, there are ones that you will prefer and whatever you prefer in terms of your comfort level where you are still doing the same connecting with all of the different interviewers that's the one that you use but again i'm, I'm speaking from a uh, lack of knowledge about that so i'll defer on that question to the experts and, and i'm going to experiment with in the next couple of days folks and maybe i'll do an interview about the uh, video about that as well now coming back here what else can people do to connect we've got mentioning name, it's researching and sliding some of the research in, eye contact, um, you know, doing this stuff with um, you know, holding people's gaze uh, in the in-person interview. What are the sorts of things do people need to do? To I'll, I'll tell you one that happens way prior to the interview. My blanket statement to everyone is, you need to do your absolute best to connect in some way with the hiring manager before you ever get to an interview. You need to talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. Number one, you are finding out a lot about them based on where they want to go with this, but you're the interviewer, where they want to go with their answers, what they're going to talk about, but you also find out, do you even like them? Just because the job is the perfect job of your choice doesn't mean you're going to enjoy working with that particular manager. And you know as well as I do, the number one reason that people quit jobs is because they didn't get along with their manager. So we've got to find a way to connect with the manager before you ever get into the interview. I want this to be, you know, good old reunion time when I get in sitting in front of somebody or even seeing them on a screen through for a formal interview, one is connecting with them. And in that you are the interviewer. So you've got to have questions prepared and your questions need to be related to what does that manager like? What are they looking for? Uh, how do they view the job? Those types of things. And to keep it short, I always say to people, you know, can I have, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of your time or sometimes even five minutes, and then you can get on the phone, you can talk for 15 minutes. But if you're not making an attempt to connect with the interviewer before the interview or the hiring manager before the interviewer, you're making a huge mistake. Okay? Because even if you can't connect with them, 
even if it's an email, something, anything, it's a matter of a dialogue between the two of you and you will separate yourself. You mentioned this a little while ago, Jeff, you're going to separate yourself from your competition by doing so because so few people do it. So that's one very, very easy way to not only connect with somebody, but also to have a leg up on your competition. You did something and you position this as, I want to make sure this is the right job for me, that we are a good fit, that we're a good match. That's why I'm doing this, because I don't want to come to this interview if it's not good for you or I. And what questions would you recommend someone ask during that conversation? And folks, I would suggest, in, instead of saying five or 10, I'm a believer in odd numbers, because uh, oh. it kind of <laughs> makes people, like everyone says five minutes or 10 minutes. But if you say, can I get seven or eight minutes with you? There's a different response when you say seven or eight minutes. But there, I'm are, sorry. There, there are companies that I work in that inside their grounds, their, in, their speed limit is seven miles an hour or 12 miles an hour, something that's odd. So I, I'll, I'll defer to you on that point. I agree with that. It just makes people think versus being on autopilot. Because, uh, you know, if someone says five minutes, my first reaction is to push back a little bit. Ten minutes, push back. Seven or eight, my attention's gotten peaked. It's just a little bit different. And what do you ask during that time? I'm sorry. I'm, go I'm going to ask an interviewer. I will tell them, I read the job description. I've read about the company, whatever. I'd like your view how you view this job, what specific guidance, what specific um, capabilities, abilities, um, talents, uh, um, uh, temperaments you're looking for in a candidate. What are the rigors of this job? What is it going to demand of me? How do you, how do you, is there anything that you know that is not in the job description? in terms of the way I would spend my time, those types of things. I just want to hear the manager talk about the type of person that they're looking for and how they describe the job, which sometimes, Jeff, you know this, is completely different than the job description. And that's one of the reasons, in addition to making the connection, that you make the phone call. You need to find that out in advance. You don't need to find that out when you sit down and they go, well, let me tell you, the job description is not really accurate. This is what we wanted you to do. And you say to yourself, well, shoot, if I'd have known that, I wouldn't be here. It's funny. I do that question. I teach people to do that question at the beginning of the interview. Because if you do it in advance, sometimes things change again. So I'll have them arrive at the interview. And if it's an in-person, as people lower their butt into the seat, they start talking and say, hey, thanks so much for making time to meet with me today. I really appreciate it. You know, I recall the position description. But I want to get your take on the role. Could you tell me about the job as you see it and what I can do to help? And then you have the current roadmap for their thinking about the job at the beginning of the interview instead of when people normally find out about it at the end of the interview. When they, right. When yeah, they're asked if you have any questions and they say yeah, something about the, the job. The, the other, the, the, the only, my only caution about that is sometimes my knowledge of how they squeeze these interviews in is they may not have allotted for that. And so now the manager may not go into a lot of detail because it's going, we don't really have time for that. We barely have, we're already behind interviewing people and we don't really. So, so the other place that you can do that is, and, and I often tell people to ask for this when they're outside the room, you know, if there's an interview room 
and you are sitting patiently outside, somebody, I call that person the greeter, the greeter will come out and greet you, and it could be HR, the hiring manager, or somebody on the panel, that's just their job today. And so they'll say, do you have any questions? And so you could cover it out there also, and then it maybe wouldn't take so much time in the interview. But there's lots of ways, you know, as we're discussing, there's lots of ways to do this. The whole point is to do it at some point with someone to make sure that you are crystal clear that this is the job you want so that you can say with exuberance, I know for a fact, this is the job that will capitalize on my strengths. This is a job where I can give back and contribute to this company. And you can say that with the energy that they're wanting to hear. Excellent. We only have a few more minutes left because we've been really rolling nicely here. What else should we cover in the way of how people can connect? Well, I, um, you got, you got me on that one because I'm, I'm, I'm thinking uh, of some other, some other questions that I was prepared for. And so in terms of other ways to connect to the interviewers, um, you know, I, I, again, it comes down in a way, uh, Jeff, to me, to some of the really small things that are important that people don't do. And I don't know why they don't do them sometimes. They don't have it on their checklist of things to do. At the end of the interview, this is connecting after the interview is over, but probably prior to when they make a decision. Now, you're not necessarily doing this to influence their decision, but maybe in some ways it does. Before you leave the building, before you go back to work, before you get to your car, you should be putting and you either write a note at that point in time or you place a pre-written note somewhere where that interviewer is going to find it immediately after they get back to their office. And you this is the this is the cordiality that is to me expected. It used to happen all the time. Hey Jeff. Thank you very much for the opportunity to interview. I found this to be help, blah, 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 and sign your name. A short little piece. Now you're connecting with the interviewer in one more way saying, I don't know how I did in the interview, but thank you very much for my shot at the title. These are the things that I don't understand why people don't do these. They are so important. And uh, we've got, it, an email is too easy to do. It is too easy to do. Okay, so I always tell people, handwritten note, if it's not a handwritten note, it's a typed letter, but it's something that you deliver on the spot. Or you send something in the mail through their mail courier or something like that. An email is too easy to do, and because it's so easy to do, it's not valued that much. So the more effort you put into it, the more it will be valued by somebody. So. And with each person you meet, for example, a panel interview, you send it to all the panelists. You know, you know as, as you're saying goodbye, do so you happen to have a card with you? And, at, and, at, at least, yeah, at least the hiring manager and the HR person, at a minimum. If right. they happen, to, if they, if you happen to have both of those people there, at a minimum, those two, and you may do it to some of the other people also. It's just a nice gesture, you know. This lack of civility that we've gotten into, being kind, courteous, saying thank you, appreciating things. I don't know where it's gone, but it certainly will serve you well in an interview. 
you know, to say, thank you. Thank you for the question. Thank you. know, the first thing out of the person's mouth that I say, when they say, tell me a little bit about yourself should be the first thing I'd like to say is thank you very much for this opportunity today. It is an honor to be here. I want, you know, and then you go into, but, but you want to say thank you first. And a lot of people miss that. And it's like, how can you not, they did not have to pick you for this interview. They selected you for that alone. You should be saying thank you. These are small things, but people don't do them. And right there, Jeff, that's your connection, man. Not only that, when firms are making decisions and they've got two people in mind, one of the potential tiebreakers is an expression of interest. So the person who plays it a little bit cool and doesn't say anything or do anything, and the person who's you know, thankful, appreciative, and gives the impression that they're really interested, that one has an advantage. And by the way, where did it go? It still exists in the southern part of the country. Does it exist in the northern and western parts of the country very often? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's, you know, at the end of the interview, I tell people, you need to express an interest in the job or ask for the job. You know, this is a job I am well prepared for, and I would appreciate you honoring me with this. I would love to be a part of your team. You know, you've got to, if I was doing this, I'd say, I want your people, the listeners out there to buy the book. Why would I not say that? You know, if you don't feel good enough about yourself and what you're presenting to ask for something, then you, that's really communicating a lot about how you feel about yourself. Absolutely. This has been terrific. Time has gone by quickly. How can it people, has. How can people find out more about you, the book? I've got a pre-release copy, folks. Um, and I'll just simply say, get to know you better. I, every participant that comes into one of my classes, I make them a promise. I say, regardless, whatever level you come into this class with, you are going to learn something new and you're going to exit better prepared for your next interview. The book, and, and as those people exit, I'm amazed the number of people that say to me, hey, Craig, I didn't realize there was so much more I could learn about interviewing. And I thought I knew a lot already. Jeff, the book, and the online course have even more information than what I teach in class that got me those comments. The, both the book and the online course are titled, I Got the Job. The book you can find on Amazon. The online course is located on Talent LMS. And the easiest way to get to both of those is to go to my blog, perspectives.craigdivisio.com. If your listeners want to interview better than they ever had before, I'm asking them to check those two items out. It will be worth their time. And could you spell your last name, even though it's going to be in the show notes everywhere? Craig, yeah. can I spell your last name? It is D-I-V as in Victor, I-Z-Z-I-O. Craig and of course, you can find me on YouTube. You, you can go to CraigDivizio.com, my website. I'm on LinkedIn, Craig Divizio on LinkedIn, Divizio International on LinkedIn. I'm on Instagram. I'm on Twitter. I'm all over the place. Get the name right. You'll find me everywhere. And I hope that you do. So that's today's show. I hope you found it helpful. And if you did, I've got a lot that's in the show notes that will help you go there Take a look at some of the things I highlight. I know it can help you with your search. 
but I want you to do one thing for me. And that is put in your phone, thebiggamehunter.us, Jeff Alpin, my name. And when you need help, when you need advice, when you have a question, come over to the website, go exploring in the blog, contact me for coaching or because you have a question, I'd love to help you. In the meantime, I hope you have a terrific day. And most importantly, be great. Support for today's show comes from Grammarly. Grammarly has a free version that you can get as a Chrome extension, or there's a premium version that provides a lot more. Now, the Chrome extension is terrific. I used it for a couple of years, and it's only when I started writing books again that I started to look at upgrading to the paid version of the product, which is 100 bucks for a year, if I recall correctly. Now, it works with almost everything, and it will help you with your writing. And frankly, from having read resumes for years, most of you don't write as well as you think you do. And one thing I discovered along the way is the use of commas has changed from the time I was doing a lot of writing until now. Grammarly will help you fix it easily. So again, use the link in the show notes and download the Chrome extension or consider buying the premium version. Whichever way you go, you can't go wrong.